Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic, a.k.a. NASCAR Report, and driver and team owner of the number 44 Martins Motorsports Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martin. And welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. The intro might be a little deceiving uh, because unfortunately, uh, with a lot of schedule changes, issues this week, I mean, it's been crazy, everything going on uh, in my life uh, and everyone else that we've been trying to get together on this show. Uh, Tommy Joe, unfortunately, not with me tonight for this podcast, but I am here. So, you know, it'll be a little short and simple podcast. We'll go over a few things and probably take this chance to probably get into some stuff about me uh, if we do have time later in the night. But we're going to look over some of the recent news. Uh, and I, like we say in past podcasts, there is not nothing's fast right now. You know, nothing's coming out every single day. It's kind of starting to slow down. We're getting into the holiday season. Rides are filling up. Uh, but as a quick overview... We got Myatt Snyder, full-time, Richard Childress Racing, number two car. Tyler Reddick is going to run for our motorsports in their second car uh, that they will run full-time, the number 03. Uh, Bubba Wallace's sponsors were announced. Colby Howard's full-time in the 15 for JD Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. And then more Xfinity Series news, Matt Mills returns full-time in the number five. So a little bit of silly season news the past week. Some more to come out probably in weeks ahead. Uh, and as far as this podcast, really quick, we do have uh, Alan Bestwick, who is scheduled to come on. He was actually going to be our guest this week, and he was part of the scheduling issues that we had. Uh, unfortunately, they put him on the road uh, to cover uh, women's college basketball, um, and he is doing that right now, which is great. And he is out commentating and, and active uh, for SNY. So we will see him soon, likely in a few weeks on the podcast. That should be a very awesome show, especially because we had just had Jamie Little on last weekend. So that's awesome. But if we're going to talk about recent events real quick, uh, yesterday I made the trip, or yesterday as in Wednesday, uh, I made the trip to Daytona International Speedway uh, for the next-gen test. Uh, I was there and kind of just, just wanted to check it out, you know, hear the, uh, the sounds of the car in person because it sounds way different in person. You know, when it took its first laps, uh, I believe Chris Busher driving it around, uh, it took its first laps, and when it's coming at you, you know, you're at the back, like, I think uh, at this time, the first time I heard it, I was in turn four, and I'm hearing that thing rip around the track, you know, all the way from pit road, and it comes by, and it's like, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, I don't want to say less louder, but it's just not. It's, it doesn't sound as powerful, you know, when it goes by, at least in my opinion, from, from what I was able to hear, you know, with my own ears yesterday, it's not as powerful. And it definitely has a different sound to it. You can hear the exhaust. You can hear all that stuff, the stuff that they have implemented into that car. Um, but then also something I was interested in yesterday was the lap times. Um, a lot of the lap times, you know, <laughs> these aren't accurate. You know, these aren't exact uh, line to line lap times. But, uh, you know, when they'd come over by me or in an area, I'd start the timer and stop it. And I did this consistently for about 10 laps. 
Um, and the car single run seemed to be running around the mid 48s. Uh, now Chris Busher, he did go out for a lot of stints yesterday. There were stints where he'd go out for three laps, which is likely qualifying. And there's stints he'd go out for 15 laps. Um, and nothing usually more than that. Um, and I, I noticed in most of the stints, it was around mid 48 lap times uh, from when I was there. Now they could have been testing totally something totally different today than they tested yesterday or because I wasn't there uh, on Tuesday compared to Wednesday. But I did notice that, you know, the times were in the mid 48s and I, you know, compared that, you know, I'm not going to expect it to match the poll time of the Daytona 500 this year, but I did compare it. Uh, and it's about two seconds behind what most of the front times were in the poll for the Daytona 500 this year. So very interesting. The car seemed to go be going a lot slower. Um, but like I said, it's testing. They could just be testing things out. We'll see, you know, but it's, it's not unlikely with the way what, what NASCAR has been doing with, you know, reducing the speed and horsepower. And I'm pretty sure all fans and, or at least everybody who has Twitter knows all about that. So we're going to go to the most recent news, uh, silly season news, Matt Mills returns to BJ McLeod Motorsports in the number five. And, and this is interesting. Not a lot of people look at it as much, but BJ McLeod Motorsports, who now goes into their first Xfinity Series season with the cup team above them, right? And Live Fast Motorsports, which is basically uh, you know, going to be operating with BJ McLeod Motorsports because BJ McLeod owns both of them. They will have BJ McLeod you know, schedule the race full time. And we've seen this before with teams. He's going to be scheduled to race full time. Uh, but if someone comes with sponsorship, and then they can hop in the seat. You know, BJ McLeod, I doubt he is expecting to run full time. That's just what they're going to say. But like we saw with the announcement last week that Jesse Little is moving to BJ McLeod Motorsports um, in the 78 full time in the Xfinity series, doesn't seem like much, but that's what he's, he's planning to go to Cup, right? He's going to scout out this move. And he already said it in his press release, you know, if I can get money, funding, go run some Cup races in the, in the 78 Live Fast Ford, I'm totally up for it. So, Something to watch in this BJ McLeod program. You know, if Matt Mills gets funding, if, if Jesse Little gets the funding, you know, Jesse Little already has a few cup starts under his belt. If those guys can get funding, you know, where will Stefan Parsons go? Jesse Awuji, could we see him in a Live Fast Motorsports car? Uh, I feel like it's definitely possible. So if that's something to watch, there's still one BJ McLeod Motorsports car that is open. Uh, they will run three full time next year. So we will see where that goes to. And now we're going to go to the opposite side of the spectrum. Colby Howard is going to go full-time in the 15. He ran uh, the majority of the races this year in that car. Did pretty solid, uh, you know, as a guy just coming in there with no practice, uh, not a lot of seat time. Uh, he did pretty solid, you know. And, that, and that's the goal, just to do nothing stupid. And, <laughs> and I don't think Colby Howard really did anything stupid. I think he did pretty well. He impressed a lot of people. And obviously impressed J.D. Motorsports as he'll be there for the full season in the 15. So as we kind of situate that mid-pack, and if you tuned in last week um, towards the end where me and Tommy Joe were talking about these rides in the mid-pack that were open in the Xfinity Series, that does fill up one for J.D. Motorsports. And... We can look at the other one and assume, okay, maybe Jeffrey Earnhardt will get a full-time ride. Uh, you know, what happens with Ryan Vargas? You know, does he, he get enough TikTok money? Uh, we'll find out. They got four full-time rides. We expect that will return, and we'll just see who goes where. You know, we got one of them already confirmed. 
uh, in the 15. We know the four is their flagship car. It's been that for years. So we'll see if they kind of take some time to decide who's going to be in that. Um, and then we'll see. And we'll keep it on the Xfinity series here at the Dash for Cash races. Almost forgot about this, but I can't forget about the Dash for Cash for the NASCAR Xfinity series. They announced um, just today the four races. Uh, the first one will be Martinsville on April 9th with the second being Talladega, April 24th, Darlington, May 8th, and Dover, May 15th. So those are the four Dash for Cash races. Um, I imagine it's going to be the same format. I mean, I missed, I know, years back, they used to have heat races for this stuff, and I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, got a lot of more cards on TV. Uh, you know, cars obviously are guaranteed to finish higher since you split the field in half. So I thought that was really fun, the heat races. I would, I would love to see that return, but then again, uh, the dash for cash I think is just great. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see how much money uh, they got available to give away. Uh, I know we've been getting tight on money here in, in NASCAR. But on the other side of the spectrum, we do have the truck series, the triple truck challenge, which is basically almost a dash for cash, except it's not. It is the triple truck challenge. Um, they have three races this year for the Camping World Truck Series in 2021. It'll start at Darlington, May 7th, Circuit of the Americas, May 22nd, and Charlotte, May 28th. And both of these, Dash for Cash and Triple Truck Challenge, are only available to drivers who are running for points in that series. So no, Chase Elliott or Kyle Busch cannot win. Uh, they will go to an Xfinity Series regular. 2311 Racing, Bubba Wallace, his sponsors were announced the other day. Columbia, uh, DoorDash, Dr. Pepper, McDonald's, and Root Insurance will all sponsor the number 23, uh, 2311 Racing Toyota next year. Uh, Dr. Pepper is probably the most publicized one of the three because, or one of the five, because we know in the past, Dr. Pepper 23 was a thing when they ran for BK Racing. Uh, so the 23 Dr. Pepper Toyota makes a return. I think that's pretty funny uh, and pretty interesting the way that worked out. So uh, be interesting to see what 2311 Racing does next year. And then keeping on the Xfinity Series, our motorsports expanding to two cars. Uh, this was an expected move, as we talked about last week with Santino Ferrucci, likely coming in there running some races. Uh, Patrick Emerling, I believe, is also scheduled to run a few in that second car. And then, as we know, with the official announcement, Tyler Reddick will run at Daytona. They'll run the number 03, and it is believed they will have ECR engines for at least most of their events. So it'll be awesome to see Tyler Reddick back in the NASCAR Xfinity Series run the number 03 for our motorsports. So that will be very interesting. But now let's take a look uh, at this 2021 Daytona 500 entry list because there really hasn't been any changes lately. Uh, nothing, no announcements for Cup. Uh, but there's then again, there's not many rides open. But uh, we did also see this week uh, Rick Ware Racing announce their numbers. They're going to run. Uh, look like they're going to run the 50. Or no, 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 no. The 15. <laughs> the 15, the 51, 52. Uh, and I believe the 53 was up there as well. Not looking at it right now, but those are the four numbers they would run. So no 27, um, but it is Rick Ware Racing. They could show up uh, possibly with another team with a fifth car. We know NY Racing uh, with their 44 that they announced. You know, do they make an entrance? You know, we will see. We'll see how that went last time. But if we're going to look at the numbers that are open, Right. Uh, we got the 15. It's really just Rick Ware. You know, we got the 15 that's open, the 51, the 52, and the 53. 
Uh, we have yet to see who will take those rides. Um, and that could just be depending on sponsorship. I assume James Davison will probably be back in one. I assume Josh Balicki could be back in one as well. Um, and we'll see, you know, does Garrett Smithley come back? Joey Gase, uh, you got a handful of drivers over there that could make their way back to Rick. We're racing in that carousel. Uh, the number 96 Gaunt brothers racing, uh, talks about that ride has died down a lot. And, and just to make an honest prediction here, I really don't expect them to run the full season next year, unless some magical driver comes in with a full season of sponsorship. And I just don't see that happening right now for what they have. And, you know, if, if they were good last year, uh, then I feel like someone would have taken a chance on that ride, but, uh, it's, it's, I don't really think anyone wants to go there right now, you know, and I don't, I don't blame you as a driver, you know, Brandon Jones, all those Toyota guys could have had the opportunity to go to gone brothers racing. Uh, and they chose not to, uh, staying in the Xfinity series because most of the guys that Joe Gibbs racing in Toyota have a lot of money, uh, in the Xfinity series. And they were definitely capable of doing that, but they did not. So 96 remains open. Um, you know, I would assume they'll run a few races at least next year. Uh, if not, they don't run full time because they don't even have a charter anyways. You know, uh, it's not like they have, they're sitting on a charter waiting to sell it. You know, they, they don't have a charter. They were in the entirety of last year without one. So we'll see what the future looks like for them. But, uh, you almost forget the talk of the last few two, three weeks has been the number 38 car. What happens to the 38 car? Someone come in and drive the 38 car. And I think they're just waiting on funding. You know, they're waiting on funding for that 38 car and they're not going to be in a rush to do anything. I don't think. And we'll see who ends up taking over that ride. Um, you know, as far as candidates, you know, I, I look at the free agents. I look at Anthony Alfredo. He's a free agent um, with Mayan Snyder taking that first ride in the Xfinity series. You know, the number two, it's notable that the 21 is still open, um, but it is notable that, Anthony Alfredo is still a free agent. You know, he could he go to front row motorsports in the number 38? Uh, and then you look at the other free agents. You got Ty Dillon, who's still out there. Um, but that list is is weaseling down. You know, I'm trying to think of, you know, ones off the top of my head. Uh, you can think of the Rick Ware carousel drivers. I mean, Brennan Poole, free agent. Josh Balicki, free agent. Here, Smithley, free agent. Um, you know, James Davison, free agent. James Hinchcliffe is a free agent. <laughs> Anything can happen uh, in 2020 slash 2021. Uh, the number 32 car and the number 16 car, are two cars that are just expected to kind of run a few races this season. The 16 of Colleague Racing, they announced they would run all the plate tracks and road courses, which I assume Justin Haley will run the plate tracks, Almending will run the road courses, uh, which I think they have a very good shot at winning any of those. Uh, depending on what cars they do bring to the track. And as for the 32, it's believed Ryan Ellis uh, will likely try to enter uh, the Daytona 500, and we'll see how many races he does after that. But it, it is assumed that Go Fast Racing will, tend, will enter the Daytona 500. Just depends what driver it is with. And then you got MBM Motorsports, which is it assumed they will bring two cars to the show as well. If not, and they, I mean, they could run two cars all season. But it is assumed they will probably bring two cars to the Daytona 500. Uh, I would assume the 66 and the 49. And if we're just going to take a guess, who's going to be the 66? I would guess Timmy Hill. Uh, Timmy Hill probably in the 66. And then you look at who could take the 49. Um, you know, Chad Fincham has been driving that car. So I would expect him to drive that as well. But can't count on any of those other guys like Stephen Light or uh, even Jesse Awuji. Uh, it's been around MBM. But I would expect Chad Fincham. We've kind of 
checked off the list of all those guys. Well, we do have the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet driver has not been announced. You know, is it Ty Dillon? Uh, is it Anthony Alfredo? Uh, we don't know. Those are the two free agent names that pop up in the top of my head right now. Uh, we don't know. But the 77 and 38 are probably the two mid-pack rides still available. Uh, as we know, the 77 getting equipment help. Corey LaJoy already in the 7 car for that team. And that really is it for the NASCAR Cup Series. You know, the Truck Series is filling up. Xfinity Series is filling up. And we are coming down towards the end of silly season here very, very soon uh, as we are about to enter the new year. Um, so next time we do have this podcast, um, it will be the podcast before Christmas. You know, we'll see if we do any uh, special things for it. Stay tuned. I'll definitely let you guys know. Um, but also, I do want to take this time to talk about the Daytona Charity Shootout. If you don't know, um, I don't blame you for not knowing. It was a scramble of days to try to get this thing together. Um, I couldn't even make it home for it. Uh, you know, yet la- It was last night. It was Wednesday night. Uh, it was live on Max Speed TV. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Evan Pienta on the win. He was he took home the checkered flag. Um, you know, beat out Brennan Poole, who dominated that race. Brennan Poole dominated, and uh, Evan Pienta comes home with the win, makes a name for himself, and a crazy finish. If you haven't seen it, uh, go to Max Speed TV on YouTube, look up the Daytona Charity Shootout, and watch the final few laps of that race because the entire field wrecked in turn one, and I mean the entire field. I mean the winner was involved in that wreck. I mean, it just wiped out the entire field, you know, a wrong push. Everyone's being aggressive. Those cars were so unstable and that's what happens, you know, but it was, it was a fun night. You know, I got to watch the first half of the race on stream and not controlling the race. Um, luckily I had admins that were able to take care of that on iRacing and I'm not huge on iRacing. I don't know that much about the system. I just come on when, you know, people, people want a, a race to do, or I just am bored. Um, but it's always good. It's always, it's always a feel good moment, uh, to do things like we did last night, uh, the Daytona charity shootout, uh, for those, of you know, is it was the second annual one. We had one back in April, uh, which was awesome. You know, we had James Hinchcliffe, Tony Kanaan, uh, Rafael Lassard, Anthony Alfredo, um, all those guys showing up to that race. And, and it was awesome being a part of that event. Raja Karuth won. Um, and I thought that was really cool, you know, when you could do this stuff and you could put it towards a good cause, you know, we're, so we're not just out there, you know, running around, turning the steering wheel, or I'm not at least. Um, I was planning on racing until I got stuck at, uh, in Daytona traffic. Well, no, I shouldn't say Daytona traffic. It was on the way home from Daytona traffic. There was tornado warnings, wrecked cars on the highway. Yeah, it was not a fun drive home. You know, it should have been two and a half hours, should have been home for this event, took four and a half hours, so. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, it went well last night. Everybody had fun. Uh, thanks to Max Speed TV for broadcasting it. Thanks to everybody for watching it as well. I believe we're up 400 plus views already on it. Uh, and for those of you who watched the Daytona Charity Shootout before, um, we, had, we had a pretty good amount of live viewers on that one as well. So I really appreciate that when we could put things to a good cause. But I mean, it was a great race uh, to watch last night on iRacing. It's great to do these things once in a while. Because uh, doing eye racing all the time isn't incredible, at least for me, you know, for a lot of people, that's their careers. Uh, but for me, I like coming on here and, and hosting these events when I can do something uh, and at least do something significant, you know, instead of just instead of just driving around, you know, for no purpose besides bragging rights, which is fun, which is fun. But I like hosting these events, uh, and especially for the people, for the guys that for the people that follow me uh, that were able to come to this event or watch it from home. Uh, I really do appreciate it the most. 
So there is really not much else to cover here uh, on the driver's meeting podcast that it would be relatively short. I wasn't lying. Uh, so I kind of give you a preview upcoming for this week tomorrow uh, when you're watching this on Thursday. Uh, tomorrow will be Friday. Next day will be Saturday. Next day will be Sunday. And then we get into next week. Um, I would expect some news to start trickling out next week. I would expect it. You know, this has probably been the driest week of news we've had so far. And there's still been news. Uh, but it's probably been the driest, you know, the slowest week of news. I would expect next week to pick up just a little bit. You know, it's right before Christmas, right before the holidays. You know, most people are getting on holiday break. I would expect things to, to pick up the pace a little bit on the off season. So we'll see how that does go. Um, but as for NASCAR report, I did say I was going to come on here and tell a few stories, uh, which I guess I could because we've only been at this podcast episode for probably about 20 minutes now. But I guess I could tell a few stories. I mean, we could talk about one, like when I went to Daytona. Uh, the first time I went to Daytona, uh, we'll talk about this since I just went there. The first time I went to Daytona, uh, I believe was in 2010, actually. Uh, I didn't go there for a while. I went to sh- the, ch- the childhood track that I went to, uh, which is you know sad. Always thinking about it now in 2020 with everything that's happened in Chicagoland Speedway. That was my childhood track. Uh, always went there as a kid. And the races were just, you know, nothing crazy happened at Chicagoland Speedway, but it was, it was such a great place. Uh, and, and as a little kid, I didn't notice, you know, that there wasn't much surrounding the track. And I mean, it's a wasteland there. If you go there, if you've ever been to Juliet, Illinois, which I just visited there back in January before COVID happened and everything, uh, it is, it is, there's not much in that area. You know, you drive around, there's a few warehouses, uh, a few grassy fields, <laughs> and then there's a speedway. So what they're trying to do, and I can give a little insight on this, what they're trying to do to bring this track back, uh, and they tried to do this before, and I think COVID really halted this because they were pushing to put renovations around this track, at least from from what I heard a while back. They're pushing to get renovations around this track to make it a hot commodity um, instead of just the wasteland that it is right now. Um, And it's unfortunate because it is a great racing track, but unfortunately, you know, there's other factors to this. You know, there's marketability, there's fan attendance, there's uh, things you can have around the racetrack that attract fans. And when you've got these new tracks coming in, you know, NASCAR is going to sit here and think, oh, you know, what tracks are we going to force out of here? And that's what they did with Kentucky and Chicago. And bringing in these new racetracks like Nashville Super Speedway, uh, which they, you know, they can tell they've been trying to get a Nashville move for a while. Road America, it Road America has a lot of stuff there. Uh, it's, it's also a road course. We know how NASCAR feels about their road courses, Circuit of the Americas. Even though Circuit of the Americas did replace the second Texas race, which is great, but a lot of new racetracks that come in here, um, and Chicago just found its way out. And by no means are they done. You know, they can put up a fighting chance if they choose to. If they choose to put up a fighting chance and get Chicagoland Speedway back in business, renovate the area get it hopping again because it's Chicago, you know? I mean, it's not in Chicago, it's in Joliet, Illinois, but it's still an area where I feel like if they really went and renovated this place, it can become an attraction because there's not much out there. So I believe there's still hope for Chicagoland, for Kentucky. I have no clue. Kentucky, they just, they ruined the track. You know, I'm sorry. I'm going to just be honest. They ruined it, you know? So, I mean, crazy stuff going on with scheduling, 
you know, Chicagoland, I hate because it's a great racing track, but Kentucky was probably the worst race I've ever watched uh, in the last five years. Um, well, that's a stretch, but it was it was a terrible race this year. If, if you cut out the final two laps of the Kentucky race this year, like what, what do you get? You get nothing. <laughs> it was just bad. I mean, the drivers didn't like it. Drivers don't like the track. I mean, why do you think you see nobody complaining, you know, about Kentucky being gone? Because the drivers just don't want to go there. Um, you know, I can't speak for anybody. There could be someone who hasn't said anything that really, really loves Kentucky, but as just speculation, assuming I don't think anyone really likes it and, and listening to the radio chatter during that race, nobody liked it. I mean, they just couldn't pass, you know, there was an inside lane that wasn't an inside lane. Uh, it was, they just, and, and when you repave these tracks, here's the thing. When you repave these tracks, obviously when tracks get worn down, that's when they become better. But what I'm skeptical about these racetracks like Kentucky, like Texas, is they're just covering them with PJ1. And I don't think that's it's, – it's just messing up the track. You know, we saw that with IndyCar. Uh, it, they already ruined the IndyCar race at Texas by putting all that PJ1 down. But, you know, it's, it's just a very odd thing, you know, that they've been doing with this PJ1. Uh, and I, I like – it's okay – when it's not too strong, you know, and, and I feel like that's the problem with it. It's always too strong or it's too weak. You know, it's too dominant or you can't go in it or else you wreck yourself. Uh, and we've seen that before in so many races. Um, you know, I don't like it at Phoenix. Uh, I don't like it at Texas. I don't like it at Kentucky. Uh, I don't like altering the track to alter the racing, you know, and I feel like when you put this PJ one down, it just turns into a run groove racetrack for, for at least a, portion of the race kentucky was one groove the entire the entire race i mean it was just one lane it was a slipstream uh texas you know it differs sometimes you can run multiple lanes but it just depends on the on the race depends on the racetrack you know when it was raining uh sprinkle when it was sprinkling rain um it was it's bad you know it, it caused people that hit the wall you know this pj1's kind of it rains it washes down to the track and the first person to hit it's done and we saw that what happened to kevin harvick in texas uh while he was leading uh and that played a factor into the championship i just don't like you know all the artificial stuff playing a factor in racing today because it just doesn't seem like pure racing and i know we've been getting away from that for years now and it's just one component of you know when we got stage racing we got these different packages we're running everywhere uh, and specializing it for you know fan enjoyment is great but fans really aren't enjoying it can't speak for anybody everybody but at least the twitter finger the twitter fingers aren't going to enjoy anything actually so i shouldn't reference that but it's just hard you know to watch all this stuff going on and that's why i'm really i really wanted to go to that next gen test which i did yesterday uh, and just check it out because obviously I can't, you know, directly hit up Steve Phelps and be like, yo, uh, so I noticed this, we should change this. You know, I can't do that, but I just want to check it out for myself. And that's why myself and a lot of people are really hoping for this next gen car because we need the change to come now. You know, they went you know, like they can't change the package right now for for the 20 for the car they're using now, the gen six. Uh, they don't want to, but it's it's going to be hard to change it. You know, everyone's like change the package and. You know, they can't really do anything for next year, uh, especially when it doesn't matter. But for this next gen car, they're building it right now. They're in the experimental phase. They're doing all this stuff. So we're hoping, we're hoping they get it right. You know, so we don't, we're just hoping they get it right, you know, and 
Kurt Busch and Martin Truex Jr., I believe, were great drivers to go out there and test it on the oval because they gave honest feedback. You know, they know what real cars feel like when you go out there and and drive with you know William Byron and Cole Custer. You know, no offense to them, they are wheelmen, but they've never driven a real, real hard to drive Cup car uh, because they've just been driving what they have right now. Uh, William Byron, you know, his first year, he did drive that uh, car that didn't have the 550 package, but he did not have a very good year. You know, that was his rookie season. So I think the test, they really, they really got it well with, with Truex and Kurt Busch um, because they gave honest feedback. They didn't like it. They didn't like the oval package because they ran an absolutely gigantic spoiler and they were just not in favor. And I don't blame them as a driver, the drivers don't like it and they gave up, right? We heard them complaining about this package years ago and they just gave up, you know, everyone's like, oh, the drivers need to speak up and they are now, but they gave up a while ago. They know nothing can change. So there's no point uh, in complaining for it. But now with this next gen car, you have the chance to change things and whatever you say, hopefully NASCAR does consider. So what do they do? You know, they said they didn't like it. Um, and hopefully that causes for some change you know the daytona test that i went to yesterday scares me a little bit because that thing was going so slow yesterday compared to what we have seen in the past i mean they I, we know they get slower every single year in nascar because i guess we just hate speed but it was going so slow yesterday that was the only thing that worried me i mean i'm not going to overreact you know but uh that was just one thing that worried me a little bit uh and they were also going a little slower at charlotte as well um but they were also testing different packages, I believe. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, as just a racing fan, a pure racing fan, um, I do hope they go with a smaller spoiler. I hope they take advantage of this and really listen to the drivers. And I think that if they're going to do a next test, I know they're going to be, uh, I don't think they're done for the year. Uh, you know, that sounds like, you know, a while, but the year ends in about two and a half weeks. So they're done for right now. They'll probably come back with a few more tests in January, February, March, April. So, you know, I think we should send Kevin Harvick. Kevin, like, send Kevin Harvick and, and Kyle Busch to Atlanta. You know, send these guys. We need those guys in the car, right? And I get, I get having the future guys in the car because they're shaping the future of the sport, and this is the future car. But we need these more experienced drivers because they can give so much more feedback. We saw that with Truex and... Salvatore Ricks and Kurt Busch, they were giving so much great feedback um, to the to the teams, to the media uh, about everything. It seemed like the most complete test, I think. I think that was the best test where they learned the most. Um, but they just got to get Harvick, Harvick and Kyle Busch or just any of these veteran guys in the car. Go around, test it, and I think they're going to give you uh, some of the best feedback. Do that at Atlanta as well. Atlanta would be a great track to test this race car uh, at you know, with Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, you know, you get to test the tire wear uh, on Atlanta's surface. And I mean, you can go anywhere too. I think Darlington would be a good track to test it at. I think the next track, they should go to a mile and a half that has like an older surface. Uh, I think that's where they should go. So that's it for my little uh, thing about the next gen car uh, that I got into there. Uh, we'll probably end it right there. We'll keep it short and simple. Like we promised at the beginning. Um, and next week, uh, don't know the guests we have on right now, but I do know Tommy Joe will be back for next episode. Uh, unfortunately, you know, scheduling conflicts, you know, messes this one up, but Tommy Joe will be back next week. Alan Bestwick will likely be on the show after Christmas. Um, and we'll see him there. So for everybody, 
happy holidays. We will see you next week. Maybe do a special uh, Christmas episode, play some games on the podcast. But for now, that has been the official seventh episode of the Drivers Meeting Podcast. Always appreciate you guys. If you've made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. We appreciate all the support. And if you liked it, make sure to subscribe, follow, and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.